Welcome to StarCast from Planet Waves. My name's Eric Francis Coppolino, author of the Planet Waves Horoscope and host of Planet Waves FM on Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome to an edition that is designed to accompany the June 1st horoscope and article. And I am here mainly to talk about the June 3rd full moon in Sagittarius. And then I'm going to warm up the June 18th new moon in Gemini. Um, both of these have uh, a similar property, which is they are making an aspect to a major deep space point. There are times when the astrology has a local feeling, and then there are times when the local astrology taps into something much larger as if we have moved into a, a kind of an intersection of, of many different things converging. And in the case of these two lunations, uh, we are talking about personal contact in the form of the moon and the sun with two of the most prodigious, pretty much incomprehensible points that we live with uh, in our general region of the universe. Uh, and one of those is called the Great Attractor. And the Great Attractor comes into the picture because on uh, at the time of the June 3rd full moon, uh, the moon is at 13 degrees of Sagittarius and 18 minutes. And pretty much everyone uh, alive right now has the Great Attractor in that degree or the next degree over. Um, it doesn't move at all in terms of the longitude of, uh, of, of the planets, which are moving around all the time, but rather it very slowly precesses uh, about one degree every 70 years. That's just because the, the world itself is wobbling. So these are fixed points. They stay where they are uh, for the most part, and then things come along and meet them, <clears throat> line up with them, and then we get some kind of an experience or some kind of an effect. Now, the great attractor is one of my favorite things to think about and to work with, and it is the fulcrum point, the kind of gathering point of the most immediate 100,000 galaxies that surround the Milky Way. Uh, in fact, they don't really surround the Milky Way. The Milky Way is kind of being pulled along at the very tail end of this beautiful uh, kind of collection of clusters and streaks of galaxies that are illustrated in the uh, image that, that is coming along with the article. And if you're listening on Substack with this podcast on Substack. And so uh, th there is some massive gravitational anomaly that is powerful enough to pull toward it 100,000 galaxies. That is ridiculous. A galaxy, in our case, has something like 300 billion stars. And so how, how does anything draw 100,000 galaxies to it? It must be very massive or some kind of an interdimensional point that's got energy coming in from somewhere else or who exactly knows what. But the thing is that this creates a sensitive spot in every chart right at the middle of the mutable signs, uh, meaning Gemini, Virgo, Sag, where it is, and Pisces. And so when the moon reaches full phase at 11.41 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on June 3rd, it will be exactly conjunct 
the great attractor in the sky to about one degree and to the degree the, the great attractor of most adults, people, let's say 30 years old or older, uh, exactly to the degree this is a, some kind of a special message from the cosmos. Uh, what exactly it is, uh, I don't know. Let's see if anything comes up in the course of my doing this little uh, this little rap. Now, if you've seen my charts, and I've, I've published hundreds of my charts, I, I put a little GA into every chart right at the middle of Sagittarius. And one thing uh, that th this is, I think, uh, exciting, reason I think this is exciting is because long before the Great Attractor was discovered, this is in the 1980s, or the galactic core was discovered, I think, in 1930, and they're, they're almost aligned. They're about, I don't know, 12 or 12, 10 or 12 degrees apart from each, 12 degrees apart from each other. Um, Sagittarius was already known to be the sign of all things exotic and, and, and things that were distant and remote and foreign. And then in the 20th century, manifest these two things that were ne never considered by Western astronomers to exist. We don't really know exactly what the Mayan astrologers were thinking or the Aztec astrologers, astronomers, they were the same thing, were thinking. But in Western astrology, Sagittarius is things remote and of a spiritual nature and uh, of, of a divine nature uh, relating to the cosmic order. And then here these two things just appear, you know, uh, nearly 2,300 years after Western astrology is written down in about 400 BC, uh, and then suddenly we're, uh, we're looking at these things. So uh, the, the coolest thing about the Great Attractor that I have found is that it is a point that indicates protection. Uh, there are there are always people in our lives who declare themselves some form of an adversary. Right? It's just, it, it happens, and it's ridiculous, and most of this is based on fear and jealousy and guilt and ego and all of that stuff. But w where the great attractor is activated, and that means where there's planets conjunct it or aspecting it in the, in the mutable signs, I would even say trine, that point exactly. So at the middle of any of the fire signs, there is a degree of protection offered where those who would strive to do you harm or uh, have you not succeed in some way can't quite get a grip. Now, uh, this can work without being aware of your chart, but it certainly helps to be aware of your chart to put together the different ways in which this might manifest and the uh, strategies that you might use to maximize this protection. Uh, the other thing about the Great Attractor is that it reminds us that the things that we say and the things that we do can have influences and effects far away from the point where they were spoken or thought of or done, and also they can have those effects so remotely in space and time i.e. perhaps years later, centuries later, who knows what. We're talking about things that exist on an astronomical scale, in the true meaning of that word, uh, will have influences beyond our ability to perceive them. Now, I would reckon that most people don't think this way. They don't really think about the, the actions that they, will, that they take having some kind of a 
kind of cascade effect that goes on through time. But this is something that we actually depend upon. We tap into the knowledge and the wisdom of people who lived many years or many centuries before us, and we're, we're using it. And those ideas and words, images, design concepts uh, can have a tremendous effect in the present, even though they were thought of a long time ago. And we can even take all of Sagittarius, right? All the, all the subject matter that uh, is, is, is part of Sagittarius, philosophies and beliefs and religions and prof- prophecies and prophets and all, all this stuff. Well, all of that would categorize as things that have effects uh, remotely in space and in time. Okay, a couple of other things. Uh, Jupiter is about to retrograde back into Capricorn. Uh, There's going to be essentially, I guess from our point of view, another uh, 17 months or so of of Pluto retrograding back and forth over the imaginary line uh, between Capricorn and Aquarius. And this is uh, making the transition uh, a little bit easier, a little bit slower uh, between the physically material brick and mortar world of Capricorn and the entirely digital world uh, or the the entirely digital emphasis of that which is going on in Aquarius. And I've given many presentations and talks about this, but this is about the rise of what I call full digital conditions. And it is helpful to uh, remember that we are in the midst of a massive technological revolution that that is happening beyond our ability to control it and beyond the ability of most people to even conceive of what it means to transform the entire world into something that is intermingled with and ultimately controlled by digital. So when Pluto gets back into Capricorn in a week or so, it's going to stay there um, for the rest of the year. Uh, The things to be thinking about are what is your involvement in the digital world? How has it impacted you? How has it affected you? How has it transformed you? What were you like? Let's say to use uh, two arbitrary points, what were you and your affairs and life patterns and all that activities like? Say, for example, in 2008, right when Pluto reached Capricorn. And then let's go back to what I consider one of the major thresholds of the digital world kind of emerging and taking over our lives at 9-11. So two before and after moments. One before and after moment, January 2008. A second before and after moment, September of 2001. And it, it is worth doing this exercise and remembering who you were and what you did and the kinds of things that were important to you. Uh, I know that not everyone is an artist or a writer or what is uh, today, I think, somewhat disparagingly called a content creator. But if you look through your creative work product back at those different times and notice how it's changed and and, um, where, where you've moved from and where you've moved to, that's one way to get a sense of, uh, of who you were. People have diaries, uh, photographs. That's a kind of creative, uh, creative work product. How have you changed as a person uh, through these various thresholds? What are your expectations about life now? What are your beliefs about yourself? Um, how has your mood changed? Do you have 
more or less resiliency, more or less um, flexibility, more or less ability to tap into your imagination. Some of the most significant things that digital space invades are the inner senses. The inner senses are things like imagination, sense of humor, common sense, memory, um, uh, the ability to uh, in inwardly manipulate thoughts and think things through without the help of any kind of a device. And while digital technology grants us a kind of a benefit of instantaneous involvement, this is at the cost of interior space. And so we are, uh, in a sense, sacrificing an interior resource for the sake of having access to all of this technology. Now, and, and we don't really have a choice, right? Do, do we? I mean, uh, I, I, I noticed the facial recognition cameras uh, on a street post, street light uh, in Kingston. They've just done this um, kind of renovation of the street, the street Broadway. Not, not the real Broadway, but it's Broadway up here in Kingston. And uh, when they put all the new streetlights in, they put them in with uh, facial recognition cameras. Why? Who is putting these things on onto these um, public fixtures? Who is paying for it? What is the purpose of it? Where is the data going? Why do we need facial recognition cameras throughout society? Uh, I, I kind of get it on one level. I see this dark, sinister plan that's coming into effect but it it actually doesn't really make sense with the you know just the normal people living our lives and you know going shopping or whatever we don't need to be tracked by uh, by cameras and have our our position known to the government at all times okay so that's a little commentary what my millionth commentary on the transition of pluto between capricorn and aquarius uh, one glimpse at the uh, one uh, one other point in this chart that I'd like to mention, and then um, I, I will take a a short look at the what I'm calling the Atlantis New Moon chart, uh, which kind of <laughs> ties into the subject matter. Uh, Uranus is about to make a conjunction to, sorry, Mercury in Taurus is about to make a conjunction to Uranus in Taurus. So this is an exciting conjunction. It's got a very alive feeling. It's um, uh, in inspiring creatively and mentally, and it's a kind of a, a fusion, a kind of a Chiron-like fusion of the material world, Taurus, and the energetic world of Uranus, and the awake and aware sphere of consciousness that we call Mercury. So Mercury is sentience. Mercury is... Uh, the, the mind of the senses and the consciousness of creatures, as the Bhagavad Gita put it. The, M Mercury is just your basic level of awareness and cognition. Uranus takes that to a highly impersonal level, but is uh, able to provide a kind of a divine flash of inspiration, um, a, a sense of um, uprising against that which already exists. And so we're uh, on the on the personal level, uh, this could be very exciting. It could uh, be a, a truly inspirational thing, a kind of revelation. And the aspect is exactly day after uh, the full moon. I think it's going to be on the fourth. The full moon's on the third. 
in the collective sense, we need to keep an eye on things like central bank digital currency. We need to keep an eye on this Uranus and Taurus for the kind of creative, quote unquote, innovative is a better word, uh, electronic and digital changes that are being infused into the very human, sensuous world of Taurus. And the whole story of Uranus and Taurus, uh, which is an approximately seven-year story, and we're about five years into it right now, is the story of transhumanism. It is the story of the, the conversion of the human species into some kind of a technological secondary creation. And people just tend to go along with this stuff. I mean, people have gone along with advances in technology without even thinking about it uh, for as long as there, there have been advances in technology. And now we live in a world where this is just constantly imposed on us at a, at a pace that is so fast, no one can actually keep up. And we're always chasing, uh, e even being like m minimally involved and, and set up. And then the next thing you know, everything changes again. And so this is not uh, an easy time to live. But I'm concerned for that reason, uh, though I am concerned that we're going to hear some news about some new, uh, you know, radical transformation of, uh, of, of the economy. That will happen soon enough. Uh, okay, one one last quick glimpse at the uh, chart for the uh, 18th of June, uh, new moon conjunct Uranus. So uh, one cool thing about this new moon is that it is it too is aligned with a deep space point. The deep space point that it's aligned with is that this new moon in Gemini at 2643 Gemini is exactly opposite uh, the galactic center at 27 degrees Gemini. So it's less than half a degree alignment. And the the galactic center, to, to me, is a spiritual homing signal. Um, it, it is a kind of a beacon that is always signaling us and uh, giving us a, a kind of a frequency to tune into and to pay attention to. The thing about the galactic center is it is very elusive. It, I, I figured out the galactic center and then forgot my delineation so many times I wrote that into the delineation. It is this in this uh, this flash of insight that then sinks back into the sea of consciousness uh, and then maybe come up, comes up again in a new form and then sinks back into the sea of consciousness, but we're always orienting around it. So... Uh, you can think of it as this kind of um, thing that works on the line of liminality. It can dip below the level of consciousness and then rise back above the level of consciousness and then dip back below it and then see what comes up next. Now, the new moon itself at 2643 of uh, Gemini is one degree conjunct. That's very close. There's 360 degrees in the circle. One degree is a close conjunction. A, a point called Atlantis. This is an asteroid probably 20th century asteroid. Um, and Atlantis is, a, it, it is kind of the catch-all of technological doomsday scenarios. And so I translate this as being about the use and abuse of technological power. And to me, it is the sigil of the tipping point uh, where 
on one side of that tipping point, our, our technology is the creation of human endeavor and of human thought. And on the other side of that tipping point, humans are the creation of the technology that they have created. And there's no independence from that technology. There's no ability to transcend it because it has created us. And by that, I mean our self-concept, our state of mind, our sense of who we are, our sense of our own humanity. We're experiencing on one level a massive technological shift, but that that would be irrelevant were it not so profoundly influential in what it does to us as individual people, as private interior beings. And we are constantly being raided by this technology. And there's really only two ways to get um, to, to not have this completely swallow you. And one of those is to stay in touch with your inner being. Well, maybe three. And well, the second one contains really two ideas to stay in touch with your interior being. And this is not easy in this time. And it's not easy because that interior being, that sense of our inner awareness and the, the private sanctuary uh, that we have inside has been plundered so many times that even the concept of privacy is gone. And it's not in the Course in Miracles sense of there are no private thoughts because all minds are connected. This is a, uh, a synthetic application of that concept where people are, and their financial information and their credit cards and their private concepts and their photos are, first of all, raided from the outside, and then second, this constant impulse to externalize all private experiences like the meal you're about to eat. A few things outrage me more on the internet and just the way that it's abused than people just posting a picture of a, of a dish in a restaurant that they did not make themselves. That's okay. If you made it, you could say, well, look, look what I made. I, I baked this roll of loaf of cinnamon bread or something like that. It's like, ah, that's about you. Um, but uh, the salad you just ordered in a restaurant ain't about you. Uh, not till you eat it and then it is gone. So keep an eye on your interior space. Keep a pulse on the, the private inner you, borrowing from the title of a fantastic play from the 1970s, The You That Nobody Knows. No matter what you say about people, they're not going to actually know that, but you know those deep things about you, but you can kind of dilute your consciousness by constantly putting it out there. The second thing is that creativity, meaning active engagement, with your environment and the active use of these tools is another way to preserve your humanity. And what this does is it protects against the the extend and cut off effect that is all about all about these gadgets. They're all about extending and expanding consciousness and then that gets so intense that people have to cut off the the, the contact with. They like get fed up and they unsubscribe from everything and they swear off the internet and they kind of have this seizure of, of of cutting off and that is a symptom of numbness. And it may sound like I'm saying that the only way out is to get more deeply involved, but what I'm saying is the only way through is to keep your sensitivity on rather than 
chopping it off rather than amputating your your own senses and your own inner senses because the effect is too intense. And so that means, you know, when you connect the point of a pen to paper or when you click your video camera or when you type anything or share anything, put love into it, put genuine creativity into it and share that and hold that vibration rather than cutting it off. So that's a little bit of a message from uh, the, the chart for um, the, the new moon conjunct Atlantis exactly opposite the Galactic Center. Again, that is on 18th June, 2023. I'll have more to say about that closer to that time. Uh, as I mentioned in today's materials, I am taking a break from writing astrology uh, for a few weeks, not very long. It'll go by quickly. It's been a lovely spring outside and there's uh, plenty, plenty to do out there in the world. And uh, I'm going to see my dad and uh, get myself to some body of water or another and um, get, get out of Dodge for a couple of days here and there. And, and um, we'll be, I'm planning to check in uh, by way of this, this podcast only uh, on Thursdays uh, through this. So you'll hear from me again in one week's time. Uh, we've introduced today the trifecta mid-year video reading. <clears throat> that is linked right from uh, wherever you're listening to this uh, podcast or go back to the original Planet Waves page you click from and also the Cancer Astrology Studio reading. Always our bestseller. Cancers know to take care of themselves. This is good for cancer and cancer rising. Okay, thank you for tuning in. Um, I will be back in approximately one week. Uh, I may have some things to say uh, on uh, on on one of my Substack areas, um, but uh, that doesn't count as uh, doing what I have to do out of any sense that it's scheduled, but rather what I uh, just feel like doing, and hopefully as little of that as um, as, uh, as possible. I've made friends with my guitars again, finally, after uh, th three troubled years of uh, being the editor-in-chief of several COVID publications, and we have um, set those aside for now while my faithful researchers and reporters continue to work on the story. All right, that's what I've got to say to you and for you today. Thank you for tuning in. Signing off from Kingston, New York at 5.06 p.m. on the 1st of June. 2023. I'm Eric Francis. Thank you for listening and bye for now.